The reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 14, reading from verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, whatever is going on in our hearts and lives today, Help us to hear your voice saying, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Amen. Amen. So who believes that they could walk on water? Don't anybody put their hand up, please. (laughs) I did have this idea of getting the paddling pool out here and just giving those who fancy the chance, you know, have a go. But my guess is that all of us would just go straight to the bottom, wouldn't we? I doubt that we could do that. It wouldn't really be an appropriate application or response to this story that we've just had read. In fact, this incident of the storms recorded by Mark and John, as well as Matthew, but only Matthew mentions Peter walking on the water. The other two don't mention him. I wonder why. There's quite a few theories on the internet. Might be something you want to discuss afterwards. So what do we learn from today's passage? Well, Kathy and myself are thinking about it. As far as we can remember... We can think of two, maybe three people that have walked on water. Two of them in this story, aren't they? Peter and Jesus. And then, if you've seen the movie, Bruce Almighty. Um, we, we, we did rewatch the clip and think about showing it in here. It's quite amusing. But then decided, one, it wouldn't add a great deal to the talk. And two, I might get in trouble for being a bit irreverent. You can always go and watch it later. Me, irreverent? Never. Being serious, as good students of the Bible, whenever we come to a story, we need to ask the question, you know, why is it here? So why is this story recorded by Matthew? Well, there's a big clue in the final verse that Trevor read so well to us in verse 33, where it says, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. I think primarily this story is about showing us who Jesus is. It's not about tricks that Peter, you know, Peter walking on water. 
It shows us that Jesus has the power over nature. He can defy the laws of physics. And he can walk on water. And it's not in a paddling pool. A lot of the paintings don't pick this up. It's in a storm. Can you imagine it? I mean, I've, I've been on this storm on a boat and I've been terrified. I think I've said before, I've only wanted to die twice in my life. Once when my appendix burst and once when I was on a ferry going across to France. That's how bad a storm is. Jesus walked on water in a storm. And then he showed his authority over the weather. And he calmed that storm. And these are all powers that only God can exhibit. Because I think it's good whenever we read a passage or an event in the Gospels, it's good to ask, what does it reveal to us about Jesus? He's the hero of the story. What does it tell us about him? And so I think, as I say, primarily here we learn of his power and his authority over creation, pointing to who he is. I spent some time meditating on the passage, and I think we'll learn a few other things, just very quickly, three other things that stood out to me we learn about Jesus. Firstly, right at the beginning of the story, he needed space to be alone, to pray. It says in verse 22 and 23, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. It's interesting, he actually sent the disciples away. And he sent the crowds away, told them to go. Maybe we need to do that sometimes, just to find time to be alone with God. To ask, politely of course, to ask other people, just to give me some space here, I need it. It seems to have cropped up several times in these sermons on come and go, this idea, and we can't escape the fact that if Jesus needed to find time and space, to be with his father, then it might be a good idea for us to do the same thing, for us to create that space. And Jesus carved out time by saying no to people and to his ministry. I guess he could have been the busiest man that ever was on the planet, couldn't he? He could have spent all his time healing people and preaching, but he knew when to say no and when there were other priorities. I did wonder how he would have dealt with, uh, you know, catch-up TV or a smartphone or social media. So pity in a way that wasn't around then, so he could see how he handled that and when, when he said no to those things. I realised I've left my phone in the car, so I'm slightly anxious, you know. <laughs> he needed space to be alone to pray. Secondly, he cared for the disciples. He did come to them in the storm, and he said, "Take courage; it is I. Don't be afraid." Don't be afraid of the storm, and don't be afraid of me. I believe, like I said in the opening prayer, that he says those words to us today, to us whenever we fear or in the storms of life. So maybe that's something you need to hear this morning. It is I, don't be afraid. Maybe they're words you can remember in the coming week and reflect upon. So he did care for the disciples, and he did come to them in the storm, eventually. But, and also he enables us, I think, as we trust. It is a, a lovely interaction with Peter. It is a fantastic little incident that takes place. If you can picture it in, in your mind. See, Jesus comes walking to them. It's, it's just before dawn, so it's a bit dark. And he comes to them and lets them know it's him. And then Peter says, okay, Lord, it's you. Let me come to you on the water. What? impulsive madness what a stupid thing to say you know if you could picture it in your mind what a stupid stupid thing to say 
But I think Jesus loved him so much. He says, okay, come. Get out the boat and come. And Peter does. And he walks on water. Not just calm water, as I said, but stormy water. It's not the reservoir at Bartley Green. This was a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And his impulsiveness led him to experience something that no one else apart from Jesus has experienced. That's unique. In fact, one light-hearted suggestion on the internet as to why Mark and Luke miss it out is that they got fed up of Peter telling this story. <laughs> you know, you, I, I don't know what, maybe they're down the pub or whatever they went, you know, and they're drinking whatever they drank, and then they've all had a few, and then Peter says, Oh, I told you about the time that I... No, 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 no. Peter had faith to get out of the boat, and that's not something the other disciples could say. And then we know, you know, he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the wind, sees the storm, which isn't unusual, not surprising. He starts to sink. And then he yells out a real simple, heartfelt plea. Lord, save me. Perhaps the shortest but most heartfelt prayer in the Bible. I've been reading the Psalms in my morning devotions in about the 130s and 140s. And it's amazing how many times David prays the same prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. And of course, we know Jesus does that. He grabs him, rebukes him for his lack of faith. The storm dies down and they get into the boat with the other disciples. It's a great story. And, and this passage is often used not to focus on physical storms in our lives, but the storms, the difficulties that we face in life. I think I'd like, I'd like us to do that together now. I don't think that's stretching the passage too far. Just to take a moment to do that. If you see it as a play, as a story, it's got three acts, three scenarios, and I'm going to look at each one. And I just want you to maybe think about your own life, maybe where you are, which might apply to you. Maybe all three at different times. Certainly been true for me. But what's also true for me is that the three things also happen simultaneously. Different parts of my life, I'm in a different place, if you like, with Jesus. So I want to just explain that. So Act 1, the story starts with the disciples in the boat, in the storm, and Jesus is not there. Jesus is absent. And even if they were to cry out to him, he wouldn't hear them. And it seems that that goes on for several hours. Because it's only when, just as dawn is breaking that Jesus comes, and he went the night before. So they spent a long time in this boat, in this storm. And there's been times in my life when I felt like that. A big example for Kathy and myself would be in 2000, when we had to come back from Tanzania early because of a family crisis. And for several months, God seemed nowhere to me. The storm raged. Do you know what kept me going? Other people. I wasn't in the boat on my own. And there are some things in my life today where I feel like that, that God seems absent. For example, when he doesn't seem to hear or answer some of my prayers that I've been praying for years for family and friends. You know, it's one year since the war in Ukraine. We've prayed so much for that, haven't we? Let's be honest. You know, what's happening? Maybe you feel different to me, but I think, do something, God. You seem absent. And if you can identify with this, then well done for coming today. If that's the place you're in, well done. You could go, I think, is there prayer during communion? I'm looking. 
You could go for prayer during communion if you, if you feel like that, but you might not want to. That's okay. But please tell someone, don't sit in the boat in the storm on your own. Can you imagine being on your own in that storm? Share with someone who will listen to you, seek to understand and not give you pat answers. So that's act one. When in the boat, Jesus doesn't seem to be there. Act two, the second scenario, which I think is where I spend most of my life, actually. Jesus comes to us in the storm. The storm is raging. It's painful. It's tough. But we know he's there. We're fearful, and we need to hear him say, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We have good days, and we have bad days. On the good days, we focus on Jesus, don't we? And despite the struggles, it's like we're walking on water. But other times, circumstances overwhelm us and we sink and we need to pray like Peter, Lord, save me. And we cry out and we experience him lifting us up again. As I say, I think that pattern sums up a lot of my experience. And then Act 3, the third scenario, it's a story with a happy ending, is we're in the boat after the storm and it's calm. We're with Jesus and we're with one another. And there's peace. And I've experienced this too, as I've seen God answer prayers, as God's brought hope and has brought that real sense of his presence and that he's at work. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Church this morning can be like that, can't it, for us? We're together worshipping Jesus. And I hope like me, that you have known also the joy of sitting with Jesus and enjoying his presence. Maybe that's your overwhelming experience now. Maybe you're in Act 3. And that's wonderful. Be thankful. So three scenarios. And for me, as I've said, I've experienced all three, and I still do in different parts of my life. But what I love about communion is it's a great leveler. We can all come just as we are, wherever we are. All of us are welcome. All of us are loved and accepted by our Father. As that song said, on our bad days, Jesus loves us. And on our good days, Jesus loves us. So wherever we are today on our journey, I just hope this story will bring us a sense of peace and increase our trust and our hope in Jesus. And what's really exciting is one day all the storms will be over. And we will sit in the presence of Jesus. If you like, we'll sit in that boat with each other and we will worship him. So let's just take some moments to, to reflect and uh, think about the story. Kathy says that's what she's going to do. See how it's a smooth operation. So there's quite a lot of things there we could think about. But I'd like us to just spend a few moments thinking of those three words, Lord, save me. I'm sure I'm not the only person in this room who has things either in my own life or in the lives of those I deeply care about where I so want God to save in the situation. So let's silently bring before God those things that are deeply in our hearts 
where we are desperate for God to save or to help. Lord God, you can hear the silent screams of our hearts. You know what's in our minds and in our thoughts and in our emotions. Lord, we cry out to you. Lord, save me. Lord, save us. And thank you that you are the one that can do this.